0: Cool, oh i part. will say one good piece of advice i got this might be gordon ramsey i i have no i not gordon ramsey
1: dave ramsey dave
0: ramsey oh my gosh not the chef that was a What's really big blunder. <laughs> um dave ramsey my apologies no, um i'm sure
1: he's not listening to this no. well on, he I
0: might knows. be but you never no.
1: know Hey, everyone. Welcome to The B-Sides. I'm Eric, your host. And today for our guest, we have Carolina Ham. Hey, Carolina.
0: Hi, Eric.
1: (laughs) So to start off our talk, I was wondering if you had any specific hot take.
0: So my hot take is that Trader Joe's is very
1: overrated. Oh, wow. That is a harsh hot take. Why, Why do you think so?
0: I think, okay, I have a lot of reasons for this, but I'll try to keep them concise. Trader Joe's food doesn't taste that good. I think their microwaved ones? Everything.
1: Oh, man.
0: I think their produce quality is not very good. Their meat quality is not very good.
1: Um, Sure. Those ones I could get along mm
0: -hmm. with. I think their frozen meals are fine. I don't think they're anything special. I think their snacks are generally imitations of better things. Um, I think that they use way too much plastic for. A store that tries to promote (laughs) naturalness things. Um, And again, I don't really like frozen foods. That's why I'm not really like a big fan of like the entire aisle of all the frozen things that they offer. So I think the only thing Trader Joe's that has that's worthwhile is the everything but bagel seasoning. Literally everything else is like not worth it.
1: Wow, that is indeed a hot take. I, was, I think you might get into some fights. With
0: <laughs> I think I that. will. I'm, I've been really like embarrassed about this hot take for a long time. Hey,
1: you got let off your chest yeah, now, right? But
0: I'm realizing I just have to be true to myself. I can't let people around me keep talking about it without knowing how I really feel about it.
1: Right. I also hear you uh, secretly love IU, but you say that you hate her.
0: Oh yes, I do <laughs> secretly kind of like her, but I'm very outwardly saying I hate her because she's just like too cute and too uh, good at singing. Like who can be that? It's perfect, so right? annoying yeah, that I, she's so good. You know
1: what? I feel you. Yeah, Miss nice Carolina. So, so I've heard you re- recently got into crocheting, is that right?
0: Yes! Oh yeah. my gosh, that was one of the things I was wondering if I was going to talk about because it's something I'm so excited about Yeah, these days. H-
1: how'd you get into it?
0: So I've always kind of been into it since I was young. Like, I remember being in elementary school and my mom showing me how to crochet. I don't remember how it came about other than maybe I just asked or something. Um so it started there and I made like a couple of like easy scarves or something like that. And then I kind of forgot about it for like so many years and then just like as of this this past summer, I was looking through social media and I was thinking about it again and then the 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 algorithm obviously kept uh, kept
1: kept Always working. <laughs> yeah.
0: So my all of my feed just became more crochet things and then I started making a few things that I really like and it exploded and now all I do in my free time is crochet or knit.
1: What's the difference between knitting and crocheting?
0: So crocheting is one hook, knitting is two needles. Okay. So people say that crocheting is, actually it's highly debated in the stitching community, but I think crocheting is easier because you're just manipulating like one loop at a time on your hook versus when you have two needles, you have like a multitude of loops to work with which i find to be more complicated um but that's the main difference but i do both i dabble between the two although my preference is crochet
1: where is the difficulty in knitting and crocheting like which is the most difficult part that you think would give most people the hurdle
0: i think it's so surprisingly crocheting and knitting involves a lot of math Because you have to count your stitches and be very precise because doing a stitch in the wrong place makes your end product look so messy. So I think having to keep track of your stitches and knowing like, okay, I have to double this one and I have to double this one. But I can't double this one. I have to skip that one. And also knowing how it looks because I think to the untrained eye, Mm -hmm. if you just look at it, it just looks like a bunch of yarn that's just like mashed together. But it's you have to know how to like – almost read the pattern to know where to insert your hook and your needles to create the look that you want. And there are so many different patterns and so many different designs you can make with crocheting and knitting. So it involves a lot of just like mental practice. And it's also hard on your hands. My hands get very sore when I do it for too long.
1: Uh, do you think that's really something that can only be learned from experience? And do you think over time, that's just been something you have be able to grow in? Or is that you know were you really methodical to begin with and able to like get that knowledge base before even starting
0: yeah i did i definitely think i was able to gather a lot of knowledge beforehand i did a lot i watched a lot of youtube videos and i watched a lot of insta reels and things like that to kind of see how they generally would even down to how they hold their yarn and their hooks but At a certain extent, I think anything that involves motor skills, you just need to do it with repetition and repetition to find what's comfortable for you. Um, Same goes for sports and, you know, other things that involve moving your body. You just have to do it to find out, you know, what works for your body and then you get into the muscle memory of it all.
1: Do you think you're normally this methodical in pretty much everything? other aspect of your life
0: extremely so i'm very type a i love following directions i love having a plan to do everything in life i am not what they say flexible
1: does that mean you're a better baker than you are a chef
0: (laughs) that surprisingly is not true i do like baking and i think it's it's fine i just don't like sweet things very much so i'm Mm. not like really into baking but with cooking i surprisingly don't follow recipes that much but I also think I'm just overconfident and thinking, oh, it'll come out fine. And I would say like 75% of the time it does come out just fine.
1: Has there been any, an, been any exercise where you've kind of had to let go of that methodical mindset and kind of be a little bit more spontaneous? Or do you think you're really just okay kind of just being methodical for pretty much everything that you do?
0: I would say dating and being married, like incorporating another human being into your life means you have to be okay with being flexible and spontaneous i could get away like before i started dating with like my friends and like my family and things like that with being more rigid because they're not as like dependent upon me but i think being in a serious relationship and now being married there's a lot i have to just be okay with they just things happen because of another person, that's can be out of my control and even out of their control. So I just have to go with the flow, and that can be very stressful for a person like me, but not for the person I'm married to, mm. uh, which is an interesting journey on its own. But I, I do appreciate how much I've grown through that as well, like having to be flexible in my mindset. Um, and though it's stressful, again, it's just it's good for the soul. So I highly recommend.
1: Sure, having yeah. a
0: balance of flexibility and following the
1: directions. Yeah, I'm sure that's been a challenge, though, and something you've definitely probably had to be very intentional about over the mm-hmm. past couple, sure. maybe years even. Mm-hmm. Um, so Carolina, I know you as, you know, Carolina, the CG leader, Carolina, the wife of Alex Hamm, and Carolina, one third of the dancing bananas. But what are three nouns that you think would be good to classify yourself as?
0: hmm three nouns so um we already touched upon one i was gonna say i am a crochet Crochet enthusiast that's one of my my hobbies um another one i would say is i am an extroverted introvert Hmm. so i find that when i meet people more so after i went into college because that's definitely when a big like personality shift had happened people are really confused on if I'm an introvert or extrovert, because I think I have a lot of stereotypical extroverted tendencies where I can guide conversations decently. Well, you know, I feel like I'm pretty personable and approachable. But at the end of the day, I could go like months just by myself and be so happy. Um, but I think people don't expect that from me because they just see me at church or like, you know, out hanging out with my friends and I seem very lively and active and um, energetic. But all little do they know is that it hits 10pm. And in my mind, all I'm thinking about is going home and enjoying my own night crocheting in bed while watching Friends.
1: Right. In the beginning of COVID, I'm sure you were having a great time then where, you know, you're probably just at home by yourself kind of chilling and for as you're saying months, when it was kind of getting time to start being able to see people being able to see people, did you have to force yourself to kind of do that again or was that something that just came naturally as it had done in the past mm-hmm. and now it currently does
0: I would say I did have to force myself a little bit but I also have that personality type of I'm really good at doing things that I don't want to do <laughs> kind of like touching upon earlier that I just have a personality type of following directions and doing things a certain way like I know mentally that it's good for me to socialize and it's good for me to interact with other people and um, stuff like that. So I felt uncomfortable about it, but I also knew, like, you just gotta do it. So I just did it and it's good, but I definitely need, like, my time to recharge and things like that. Right, right.
1: I cut you off from your third one.
0: Oh, my third point. Oh, my third point was gonna be that I'm a teacher. Gotcha. Um, uh, I feel like that's probably the number one way I describe myself to people. I'm like, hi, I'm Carolina and I'm a teacher. Um, because I think having that as my profession, current profession, really takes up so much of my time and physical energy and especially my emotional energy. And so because you just get so personally invested in children, it's hard to not, you know, have that occupy your mind every hour of the day when you're thinking about the things that I do impacting the future of the world kind of situation, especially because I like to do things very intentionally. And I take things very seriously in that way, like my job. So I am a teacher And it is so stressful, (laughs) Um, but it's very rewarding at the same time.
1: So, you know, I'm a good preparer when I have questions for all three of your nouns that you already had. So uh, I did my research, but going back to that second question really quick, it's it's not exactly 100% related, but um, just me personally, I've noticed just from getting to know you a little bit over the past couple of years that I see that you try pretty hard to see situations from other people's point of views. Um, Do you think that's true for yourself?
0: I would say so. Um, it's ironic because I generally consider myself to be a pretty independent person. Um, but I do really think a lot about how other people experience things. Um so much so, I think I, I think I overthink it sometimes, actually. Uh, I was talking to Alex about this the other day of how sometimes when social situations end and I go home, I, I'm just constantly thinking, like, did I say anything weird? Like, did, did someone not appreciate the, the, the way that I did this thing? Like, should I have not approached it this way? And so I think just in daily conversation, too, uh, when I'm around people, I try to be considerate of you know, the way they're feeling, the way I'm communicating things, if that's
1: being received well. Sure. So in that consideration, I I think I can relate. Um, Sometimes I will compromise some of my own personal, um, not well-being, but comfort in order to, you know, kind of meet people where they are. Do you feel similarly? And has there been any instances where you've kind of felt that drain in particular?
0: I do feel similarly. I think I'm a lot better at that now than I used to be. Honestly, I think after graduating from college where i had to be really intentional again like about where i was spending my time and energy with certain friends and again like work as a teacher and having a relationship it i i had to start making healthier boundaries on how i would sacrifice that for other people who maybe weren't inside of the group that i needed to pour into the most and so um I can't think of any instances in particular, sure. yeah. mm-hmm. um, but I would say I am generally that type of person. Right. right.
1: <laughs> um, now that you are the wife, Alex, how how is that understanding kind of factored into your relationship with Alex?
0: Oh, my marriage with Alex is its whole separate <laughs> podcast. We could talk about that for hours, if not days and weeks.
1: Maybe we'll have a, uh, like a married couple in <laughs> that it, so. would be
0: really interesting to get our perspectives on things right. like a like a newlywed show yeah, type yeah. of situation um yeah i mean i it's it's hard because the way i kind of describe how newlywed life has been for us so we've been married at the time we're recording about 10 ish months so we're coming up on the one year mark but it's not like I have to give up something to become like him and he has to give up something to become like me. It's that we both have to give up something to create this whole new system of living and system of thinking. And so if I if I consider it that way, that it's like, again, like more of a compromise where we're both trying to find a new solution together rather than we always have to go one person's way, then it becomes a lot easier. Um, but it's still its own journey and its own struggles and things like that.
1: Sure. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, you saying that you're independent, like probably not, it, it meshes interestingly in, in in that relationship because then you have to balance your independence versus, you know, being um, that wife, uh, part of that family, mm-hmm. and also that compromise factor that you said, right? Um, but going to that independence part a little bit, I know that your parents are missionaries. Is that, is that right? Uh, former,
0: missionaries, former missionaries, kind of. So they... My dad was a pastor for 14 years, and then he, they actually went to missions for about six years in Asia. And then right when the pandemic hit is when they came back to the United States, kind of through God's provision. Um, and so they've just been in the United States uh, since. And he's working with the missions agency that he was sent through, actually. But he's doing more like office type of work than active like duty in that sure. sense.
1: Sure. So with your parents having been overseas for probably, was it all through your college time? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you had to quickly learn to be independent, uh, both in college and outside of college. What are some struggles there that you had, uh, just kind of being unable to even have your parents nearby to just help you with the different
0: yeah, things? Yeah, I, I, there were so many struggles. I think, you know, I was a freshman in college, 18 years old, having to figure out so much on my own like financially like socially um the biggest struggle like that comes to mind is just the loneliness that like oh, everyone's going home for break like where am I gonna go and luckily I had so many like great friends that were willing to take me in and like, let me stay with their families for breaks and stuff like that. But it always hits with that like twinge of sadness when you see them with their family and you just wish that you were with your own. And so I think there was like overcoming that loneliness. And so a big idea that followed me throughout my college years spiritually was that our true home is not here. It's not in this home that I lived in with my parents. It's not with my friends here in college or the dorm I'm living in. Like my true home is in heaven. And no matter where I go, there's always going to be that sense of, is this really where I'm supposed to be? Am I with my true family? Um, and in a way that gave me encouragement and hope because I knew that in the end times, I will find that true peace of like, this is where I belong and things like that. So it really shaped me in that way to go through that loneliness. And there's some other more practical things too. Like I had to figure out buying a car and car insurance and you know how to do like how to move on my own signing leases and stuff like that like and my parents also just didn't have a lot of experience with that in general just with the nature of how i grew up in the united states and them being immigrants and things like that so even when i would try to call them be like how do you get insurance they'd be like i don't know just just call an insurance agent and try to figure it out and stuff like that um but yeah, Even just like my, managing my own finances of figuring out like, okay, well, you know, this is how much rent costs and this is how much scholarship money I'm getting. Like, how do I figure all of that out? And um, missionaries aren't as financially stable as some would hope they would be, um, which is okay because God provides always in, in all the ways. But having to manage some of those things on my own is really hard too. But I think it gave me a lot of... Um, good management skills now we're in the season that i'm at to be able to um be very strategic with how i manage Mm -hmm. um not just like finances but like things just like again the documents that come with being an adult and of like car titles and again insurance insurance is so annoying like (laughs) i i still don't completely understand it like deductibles and premiums and what covers what and stuff like that Um, but I, I did have to learn those skills quite fast which makes me not intimidated of it now uh, where I realize some of my um, peers who are getting into those things now like buying homes or like getting their own cars and things like that like they're just now figuring out what those things look like and I feel more comfortable approaching it and I'm like oh it's okay you just Call them and tell them you don't know what you're doing, and then they're more than happy to help you with that and stuff like that.
1: What were some tools or resources you were able to use to like kind of gain that knowledge? Because I know you have a pretty, um, you're pretty into personal finance as in general. Is that something that you're able to uh, learn through, or is that something that was mostly experience?
0: Um, I watched a lot of YouTube. I love YouTube. Um, it is.
1: She had a sponsor.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I watched so many YouTube videos like it luckily kind of happened where like some of my favorite beauty influencers started talking about finances on their channels. So then it kind of led me down the rabbit hole of what finances look like. Um, but. I'm also I like learning. I'm a huge nerd. Like I like learning for the sake of learning. Like I said, um, isn't that what
1: Thomas Jefferson said? No, he said learning never stops. Learning
0: never stops. That's why we're first years and second years and (laughs) fourth years and things like that. Um, But that's why I listen to TED Talks for fun. Like that's just in my personality type. Yeah, NPR in the mornings because I just like to learn about new things. So it luckily it did just work out that it's in my personality type to have interest in learning how to manage those things. And I'm just also generally very organized person. Um, which I mostly learned through my dad. My dad is very, very, very organized. And just him being the pastor of a really small church, I had to help him with a lot of like day to day tasks and things like that. Like, so I, he would take me to the church office with him and I would help him organize the church directory. And like through that, I just kind of developed a mind for staying organized and things like that. And so just like leading into adulthood, I, never thought there was any other way you should live your life like of course you need to file your these things alphabetically like what other system is there how else could how you could do you it? not do that <laughs> how could you not like when i see people just have like stacks of paper on their table and it's not like organized in a certain place i'm like why not like i literally can't comprehend why it's not organized because that's just how my mind naturally works
1: right for your mindset for personal finance what is your goal when you're managing that um or is it just really kind of just essentials
0: my so this is an interesting concept because um i think being single and thinking about my financial goals versus getting married now and thinking about my financial financial goals has dramatically shifted um So I would say Alex and I are still in the zone of kind of figuring out what our financial goals are with like thinking about when we want to have kids or thinking about when we would want to move our house and things like that. Things that require a lot of intentionality in how you're going to be managing your money on a daily basis even. And so right now we're just kind of adjusting to how the other person spends their money to figure out how we can manage it and figure out where it goes. Um, but we, we have a lot of financial blessing in our life right now. So um, we are, we do have the freedom to be able to choose our goals a little bit more freely in that sense. So we are taking it a little bit easier. We're not super um, rigid or anything like that surprisingly i'm not very rigid in that um but i generally just i have a few like percentages in my mind of what i generally try to keep up with like um tithing 10 percent um and then well i do keep a very thorough budget spreadsheet um and i have my general like outlines of what i'm trying to do i always set aside like maybe a third or so for savings um what i'm saving for we're still figuring it out but i do (laughs) like the idea of saving just for the sake of saving
1: at least you have something when you need to right yes
0: um and things like that um i have definitely always been very savings conscious like just throughout my entire life. I grew up financially a bit unstable. So I think that's where that comes from. Um, But I do like saving money for the sake of saving money, because I'm always worried that there's going to be a day where I need to use it. That's great. But um, we are eventually thinking about reaching a certain threshold with our savings account, which isn't a high yield savings account right now. um, And then how we can start investing any extra money we decide to save for whatever future things um, but investment is its own future world that's really scary to me and i would like to get into but i just don't know that i'm ready for it right now
1: right is there any specific tidbits of information you would like our audience to know about personal finance as being so well-versed as yourself?
0: oh i would not say i'm very well-versed <laughs> i i feel like i know like the bare minimum i have seen some more um uh, personal finance like classes come up on my Instagram feed which is like my sign I'm like maybe I should take one of these classes so I have more information um, but no I don't think I have any tips per se other than I think everything I think I assume is common sense sure but it's yeah. probably not it's
1: probably not which you know, is what I'm really don't really learn finances besides by ourselves um, yeah. during school for oh, the most part. I will
0: say one good piece of advice I got this might be Gordon Ramsay. I I have no. I not Gordon Ramsay.
1: Dave Ramsey. Dave
0: Ramsey. Oh my gosh! Not the chef. That was a <laughs> really <all> big blunder. <laughs> um, Dave Ramsey. My apologies. No, um, I'm sure
1: he's not listening to this. No. Well, he might
0: be, but you never no.
1: know.
0: Um, is that you should don't let your money tell you, or you should tell your money where to go. Don't let your money tell you. So that. It just in very being very intentional and knowing where every dollar goes uh, rather than just letting it be and seeing what you have.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, Dave Ramsey is a great resource. So, switching back to kind of that, uh, your own independence, mm-hmm. how do your relationships with your friendships um, and as a wife again factor into that independence um, as a whole? Do you feel like it's kind of separate entities or do you think they kind of work together? <sighs>
0: Both. (laughs) Um, I would say generally like me having me being a very independent person can be helpful in the sense that I feel like I'm very self-sustaining. I'm very self-motivated. I don't quote unquote need a lot of people support encouragement in that sense. Um, Side note with like even love languages, words of affirmation is probably on the bottom. Like I really don't need people to tell me Mm. I'm doing a good job for me to just keep doing a good job in that sense. but I ha- it's, it has definitely bitten me in the butt several times where I'm so independent, I will have moments of feeling really overwhelmed or feeling really stressed out and not letting people in to support me and take care of me and things like that. Um, it's even like a um, funny story with when Alex and I first got married and we're adjusting to living together, he I would. We, we, we had talked about the household responsibilities before we got married, just so we were at like a good understanding so we wouldn't run into arguments and things like that. And so the understanding was more that like, I would take care of certain like most most general household chores, mostly because I really enjoy cleaning and Alex would take care of the dishes and things like that. And so after like a couple of months of marriage, I got really stressed out one day where I was like, oh, well, I have work. And then I come home and I have to run this errand and then I have to do the laundry and I have to tidy up the kitchen. And I was started getting really like passively angry at him. And then one day, like I kind of exploded and I told him that I was mad about him not picking up more of the household duties. And he was like, well, why didn't you just ask me? Mm hmm. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, you're right. I can just ask you." <laughs> I, it That's didn't the
1: relationship. <laughs>
0: I it didn't occur to me that I could just ask him. But then I, uh, upon further conversation, we realized that I it really hurts me to have to even ask because I'm so independent. I have such a level of pride within me that asking for help feels like almost damaging in a way sure yeah Um, and so that's like in my romantic relationship and so even in my platonic friendships i think my friends even get frustrated with me sometimes um, because they want to be there for me but it's almost like i don't allow them Another funny story is that when I was in college, um, I have a very particular way of doing my laundry. I don't like when other people touch my clothes because I fold it very strategically. You do it right. Yeah. I'm (laughs) very proud of the way I do laundry. I'm very good at folding it. Crisp lines, no wrinkles. You don't need an iron if you fold your laundry right out of the dryer and you do it right anyway. So. I, again, stressed out season of my life. I was doing laundry. My friend comes in. She's like, oh, like Jean, which is my middle name. That's what my friends call me like, can I help you do your laundry? Like, can I help you fold it? And I was like, no, don't touch my laundry. But she's like, but you're stressed out. Like, why can't I help you? And I'm like, no, you're not going to do it right. When at the end of the day, I should have just received her heart of like that she wanted to be there for me and help me. But I was so fixated on like, no, I have to do it my way or it's not going to be OK. Um, so I think, again, going in with that flexibility piece, it's important to be a flexible. Um, but and for me to also learn that it's OK to be dependent on people. And sometimes they help you and sometimes they let you down. And that's OK, too. And it's not the end
1: of the world in that sense. Sure. Did how did you reconcile eventually that it's not the end of the world with people do things a different way? Was that something you just kind of came to the understanding of, or do you think you really had to push yourself to get there?
0: I think I had to push myself and I think other people had to push me. So certain people just having those tough conversations with me um, of saying, you know, I like Caroline, I can see you're upset and I can see you're going through a hard time. Like you need to let us in. You need to talk to us about it. And then from there, Anytime I did have a moment of feeling down or feeling stressed out, giving a chance for that to happen to let people in. And um, specifically with Alex, like he would challenge me in that way during certain arguments or s- during certain tense moments. He would say, like, Caroline, like, this is the moment that you need to let me help you. And this is the moment where you need to let me be there for you. And I would take that chance, maybe like one out of 10 times. And after a little bit of that, maybe one out of nine times. And then as time went on and on, maybe now it's one out of four times. Sure. Um, we're improving. Yeah. So that's I think how it, it looks.
1: It's great to have that um, characteristic of being independent, but still being well-rounded enough to take the benefits of the other aspects of being able to be dependent on others. And mm-hmm. I, I, from what it seems like, you, you've been able to utilize the pros as much as possible while trying to eliminate the cons as much as possible, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's great. Um, so going back to your parents having been missionaries, what does the mission field mean to you as a daughter of missionaries, maybe someone who wants to go on a mission in the past?
0: Yeah, so this is a great question because I had always thought of the mission field as overseas. Um, I went to this conference called CrossCon. Um, Me too. <laughs> several years ago. Um and it was at that conference where some, one of the speakers, I can't remember who, was saying how missions is cross-cultural. Like you have to be in a culture you're not familiar with in order for that to be considered missions. Kind of controversial. I don't know that I entirely agree with it. Um, but at the moment, that's kind of like what my mind was was. It was, it was like an affirmation of what I was already thinking. I'm like, yeah, you have to go overseas. You have to go to, you know, the inner cities and this, that, and the other t- for that to really be considered missions. And so throughout my college years, I actually – my plan was to go to missions for two years, like overseas missions for two years, um, and then figure out work and stuff like that after. And so I got – I once I graduated from my undergrad program and into my master's program, I started applying for the program. And there were a few complications and a few things that happened, all by God's will and God's design, honestly. But um, it was – through through all of those signs, I was unable to go, and I moved up to Northern Virginia. And um, no offense to anybody listening, I really did not want to move here. Like moving to Northern Virginia was like <laughs> like literally the bottom of the list. Like I'm like I would go anywhere in the world, but Northern Virginia. Um, and that again can be its own separate story. But um, again, through God's hands uh, and through Alex Ham. <laughs> I found myself in Northern (laughs) Virginia um, a bit begrudgingly, I will admit, Um, but I found my heart softening the more I got to know people in this area and just a few interactions I had that made me realize that, you know, this too is a missions field. Um, Anywhere where you can spread God's love and God's gospel to people who aren't believers, I think is constitutes as a mission because you know, the great commission says make disciples of all in every nation. Um, And the nation can be this one, you know, all peoples can be the people next to me in my job that I go to Walmart with or whoever, you know? Um, And so I had such a cold and calloused heart towards this area thinking, Oh, people are Nova are so well off and they're so comfortable. Like they don't need anything. These people aren't open to God, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, or really needing God. Like they just want him, but they don't need him kind of thing. But Again, just the more I got to know people and like heard their stories and things like that, I my heart was a lot more softened to realize, oh, maybe God didn't want me to go on overseas missions because He's called this area to be my mission. Um, and so, in the way, I'm still following that call God has given me, but just in a way that I never expected. And I can't say I'm like a number one evangelizer or anything like that. It's definitely an area of my faith I really struggle with is evangelism, but. And my heart's a lot more open to what God's will looks like for my life than just saying, I have to go on two-year missions and it has to be overseas and things like that. Rather than saying, oh, God's will looks so different if you just sure. let him do it.
1: So what does your mission field look like right now in NOVA?
0: Um, I would say my work is my primary mission right now. Um, like, it, it, I try to do my best to love my coworkers specifically. I think with, like, loving the students, like, I just try to show the grace of Jesus and the grace of God in just right. my interactions with them because I can't really preach the gospel yeah. to like Loudoun County public school students, you know? Um, I think I'd be put on the news for that and probably <laughs> fired. Um, but just in the ways that I love them, that when they make mistakes, I show them that there is grace. I show them that I don't hold it against them and that there are new chances every day um, and, and you know, that unconditional love. And then with my coworkers, I just try to make it normal that I go to church and that this is a part of my life you know um and try to talk about how yeah like how god what god means to me in more casual ways because it's hard to find the time to really sit down and be like this is the gospel jesus died for your sins you're a sinner you know um but i remember even like one of them was having some health problems and so like in our uh group chat um, I had, like, texted her, like, hey, like, I'm praying for you. Like, if you need anything, like, just let me know. And she, like, really appreciated that. And then a funny instance is I accidentally sent my CG prayer request to my <laughs> coworker group chat with my team, um, which is so awkward because... A little embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, luckily, none of the prayer requests are like, particularly, okay. like, yeah. deep yeah, or, like, sure. particularly, like, intimate or, pro- like, super invasion of privacy or anything like that. But, yeah. Um, one of my coworkers approached me the next day at work and they're like, oh, like I saw that you said like prayer requests for like your Bible study group. Like, can I get in on that? Like, can oh, you pray wow. for me? Yeah. Like, it's just like little instances like that, just for them to have a more positive disposition towards what faith looks like. Um, and then maybe one day God will provide a avenue for which I will be like, this is what Jesus does for you and did for you. Sure. Um, but I also think God will make it very obvious when that time comes.
1: Gotcha. did do you find it difficult when you first started working to kind of have that Christianity be public facing at work, or do you think it's something you're kind of just okay with?
0: I would say it was easier because I was really blessed to have another coworker. She goes to ODPC actually, um, who is like more vocal than I am. Right, yeah. So, and she's just, like, such a great person. Like, she's so bright and encouraging and positive. And, like, people have such a, like, a great, like, she has such a good reputation that, like, for her, like, talking about faith, like, I think people view it very positively. So I just kind of, like, scooched under that umbrella next to her. um, And that made me a lot more comfortable. And she's, like, about 12 years older. So I really view her in this, like, older sister figure. And so, like, sometimes at the end of the day, we would, like, she would come into my room or I would go into her room and we would talk about faith and we would talk about what it's like to be a Christian in the workplace and what we did at church and things like that. Um, and I think just having someone at work that I could talk about those things with and then go to our other coworkers and again, just keep having that be a d- part of our daily conversation was nice because I would talk about like, yeah, I had a Bible study last night and blah, blah. blah. And then she'd be like, oh yeah, like I, I did too, blah, blah, blah. And it just became like a natural part of our daily conversations. And our coworkers knew that we went to church on Sundays and that we had Bible studies on Thursdays and Friday and things like that.
1: Yeah, I Do you think you're satisfied with how your mission field looks like right now? Or would you want to kind of push even further now, now that you've kind of been in for a little bit and now you're a little bit settled and now you've been married for a year?
0: Yeah, I would definitely be open to other methods of doing missions and evangelizing. Um, I'm actually in this weird in-between zone right now where I'm most likely going to be leaving the profession of teaching i've been doing a lot of job searching and a lot of networking and asking around and things like that uh, which is very 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 bittersweet um but i think it's because with teaching like it consumes so much of my emotion and it consumes so much of my time that i don't feel like right now i can effectively do a lot of extracurricular um volunteer missions right. opportunities mm-hmm. and things like that but i think my hope is that switching to a different job hopefully alleviate some of that emotional stress that i'm experiencing on the daily to open my heart to being able to do some of those other things
1: right uh what do you wish as uh, a church we could be doing a little bit better in terms of mission the mission field
0: I wish we had more missions opportunities. Hmm. Um, And I know that's hard with like the pandemic and things like that. Um, But I know that we have like maybe one like. uh, Mexico missions. Like missions. We're like. Right. Overseas cross-cultural missions opportunity every year. And I wish there was like maybe like one summer one, one fall one. um, That people could be a part of. I really wanted to go to the Mexico one this past summer. But that coincidentally fell during my honeymoon week right and and i think i was still glorifying (laughs) god and during my honeymoon enjoying the you know this this commitment of marriage and things like that but um i would love for there to be future opportunities to do that because you know and alex and i do talk about it that just because i didn't go overseas back you know a couple years ago doesn't mean that i'm not going to be called to go you know, in the near future, right. things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens with there being more opportunities at church um, cross-culturally. Um, I, I think I love the way our church does um, like the London town things and um, like the Western Fairfax um, opportunities and things like that. Um, but I just wish there were a few more cross-cultural overseas mission trips that sure. could be organized. Definitely.
1: Do you know of any organizations that um, you've, you've- would think would be great to be joined to be partnered with, um because honestly, besides the ones you've mentioned, it I don't have a, too much of a knowledge of other organizations. Yeah, for the missions field. I,
0: so I have a Southern Baptist background. I grew up Southern Baptist. My dad is a Southern Baptist pastor. He does missions through a Southern Baptist organization. Is that the
1: CK? That is BCA
0: or CK? That is something separate. That is a Southern Baptist Convention for Korean pastors. But what was I going to
1: say? uh, the organizations.
0: Oh yes. So my dad, um, was sent through missions through international mission board. So David Platt used to be the okay. um, president of that organization and they're under a larger organization called NAMB, North American mission board. Um, and so it's funny cause my dad's always like, go on missions, like go through IMB. And I'm like, up, I'm a Presbyterian now. Like, I don't <laughs> know if I can go to, you know, um, Southern Baptist missions and things like that. Um, so I am not familiar, honestly, through the Presbyterian Church, what organizations there are, because I don't know if it works that way. I don't know right. if we can cross-denominationally <laughs> partner with other organizations and things like that. If we could, I could could find some connections somehow. Um, but I don't think that that is
1: sure, something sure. that'll happen. <laughs> so then for people who would want to kind of increase their... Uh, visibility into mission the mission field, how would you say they should kind of take next steps uh, if they're just, you know, someone like me or you?
0: Yeah, I would say um, do your doing your own research into missions organizations because those are going to be usually safer. Um, safety is a big thing. Like I know some people are just so on fire for God. They just want to go to North Korea and just start preaching. But um, there are security issues right. that should yeah. be factored in. Like even for my parents, um, they did missions in asia um is as best as i can disclose and so there were some security issues but luckily having a established organization gave them certain protocols to follow that could keep them safe and keep you know, the organization safe with like Mm -hmm. certain information and things like that. And so I'd say doing your research of like certain organizations and asking yourself if you really are committed on having to follow your denomination through those missions opportunities, because even though like I think the International Mission Board, like IMB, even though it's a Southern Baptist organization, like I do think they accept short term volunteers um, that might not be of the Southern Baptist um, denomination as long as you are a member of a evangelical church or something like that um so i would say do your research if you are comfortable with doing those things like more on your own um otherwise our church has uh, has missionary partners like Mm -hmm. honestly like reaching out to those partners and asking like like do you need volunteers like do you know anyone who needs volunteers do you not need volunteers do you need supplies what can we send you you know like what what can we do for Mm -hmm. you um and and the most common answer is praying for them
1: definitely like
0: i honestly think it doesn't get enough credit like just praying for your missionaries because it's so hard it's so so hard it's so lonely like the amount of loneliness i felt being in the united states that my parents was still i think so small compared to the loneliness they felt being overseas in a foreign culture and things Mm -hmm, like that mm -hmm. so prayer is a big big one
1: How important was financial aid for your parents and do you think in general for missionaries and how do you think we could be better supporting that?
0: So this is also um, kind of a bi-organizational basis sure. because the International Mission Boards sends career missionaries, which my dad was because he went for a long period of time. Um, they fully s- financially support their career missionaries, so they don't actually have to raise any external funding. But I know not all missions organizations are like that. They do need to raise their own funding, and that's why they have to do like Try X amount of absolutely. church, you know visitations and certain drives and fundraisers and things like that. So I think that heavily depends on what organization you're, you're going through. So for my dad, luckily, he was able to go through one that offered full health insurance benefits and, you know, stable income, not the, you know, not rolling around in money or anything like that but it's such a blessing to not have to like have it be a burden that you have to go to a church and essentially just like plead for money and things like that you could just do your ministry yeah you could just do your ministry and um and i personally actually still um donate to international mission board just because i'm so thankful for the work that they do and so knowing that that money i support with will eventually become financial support for other missionaries and things like that but i would say like you know, I was talking about this, with my friends, money doesn't buy happiness, but money buys a sure lot of other things <laughs> like <laughs> toothbrushes. Lo- yeah, toothbrushes <laughs> or like, I don't just like even like your missionary's favorite snacks and things like that, like those little comforts like mean so much. But um, I think really like listening to that call of like love offerings whenever you're able to give um, would really mean a lot to them, I would think. Um mm. Yeah, especially for even for me because some people separately financially supported my parents, like gave to them, um, and it didn't just help like them on the mission field; it helped their children too. Like it helped them support my brother and I being in the states and like knowing that like supporting someone's family, like so some missionaries might support their family, like their children and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it, it goes so much wider than people might think.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you know how your parents dealt with that isolation while they're in Asia? um i'm sure they didn't just deal with it right i'm sure they had outlets
0: mm-hmm. so um they had like a member care team mm-hmm. um with of just like mental health specialists and things like that so that they had met with a couple of times um it's a big blessing that they're married and that they went because you automatically have like someone to talk sure, to about yeah, their pro- your problems and things like that um but honestly it it was i think that calling home a lot was really helpful for them. So I'm really, really, really close to my parents. Um, And so I tried to call them as much as I could, like ideally once a week, if not more um, when I was in college. Um, And so I think I think calling home to talk to them and like being like, honest and open with them, like they're crying, I'm crying and things like that, uh, was really helpful for them to be able to, you know, release that stress and that burden and things like that. So I think that helped them a lot. Um, it also helped that they were not too far from Korea and they have lots of family in Korea. Sure, so yeah. they were able. And because of visa reasons, they had to leave the country every three months to renew their visa and come back in, so they could just conveniently go to Korea and see their family and come back. So I think that helped a lot too.
1: Sure, sure. So when when dialoguing then with missionaries, what what do you think would be a good way to kind of um, go be more intentional with that besides just saying hi and doing different things? Um, Are there any things uh, we could be doing besides just being kind of uh, uh, not one, one kind of like a two-dimensional relationship how do we make that more of like a real relationship between us and the missionaries that we support hmm. tough question
0: that's a tough question <laughs> that's a really tough question yeah Honestly, I, I don't really know because my missionaries were like built into my sure, parental right. relationship. Yeah, so yeah. it's very natural for yeah, me to be a little different to, for you. <laughs> to be able to do that. Um, And then and I can't say that I've really gone the extra mile for other mes- missionaries other than giving them like sending a nice message or something like that or donating to a care package or something like that. Um, so I don't say I have a good answer for that. No worries. Other than always just tell them you're praying for them right, right. and prayer tell,
1: supplies yeah. financially. Yeah.
0: Tell them what you're praying for too. Just be like, I'm praying for, for you, but would be like, I'm praying for your kids and that they are able to find a good international school. I'm praying for um, that person that you've been evangelizing to and discipling. Like, I think it would probably, I would think based on my parents mean a lot to know that like, people are reading the newsletter updates and like really thinking about them and praying over them
1: yeah definitely um thanks carolina so when you uh i know you said you're probably trying to transition out of teaching but uh i mean teaching has been such a big part of your life for the past i Mm -hmm. at least eight years i'm just gonna guess um what made you originally want to become a teacher
0: i like i don't have a memory of ever wanting to do anything else like I'm am a nerd so I like school. Right. So then I'm like, wow, I could just stay in school. Like this is great. Um I I like the idea of teaching and people learning and benefiting from what I teach. So it's a bit self-centered in that way. Um I I love kids. I think that's the most obvious teacher answer you sure, can get. Definitely. Um, If you
1: don't love kids, that's uh Yeah, <laughs> no for sure.
0: <laughs> um if you like if you love kids, why didn't you become like a pediatric, you know, or, you right. know, a pediatrician or something like that. I'm like, oh, no, I don't like medicine. No. <laughs> um, so it's that combination of I love kids. I love I think they're so cute. I think they're so innocent. I think they're so wonderful. And I love that they can make all the mistakes in the world and learn from it. Once you turn 18, your time to make mistakes is over. But especially because I teach elementary school, like 10 years and younger, like, for example, I had one of my students like cheat in class the other day. She used a calculator on her Apple Watch, which, mm. wow, the fact that they have Apple Watches now and can do that is crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> um, but like, I caught her, and she was like, I, I obviously like called her out for. Her. I pulled her aside and talked to her about it, and she was like bawling in tears mm. over it. But it's that moment where I look at her, I'm like, this is your learning experience. Like, this is right. your chance to do better, and like that just is so rewarding and it's so fulfilling um, that it's it's just it's kept me going for sure. as long as i have this is i'm in my 4th year of teaching right now um but it is emotionally wearing at the same right. time because right. you are investing so much into 25 little ones every single day sure.
1: i think it says something about the state of teaching in america right now that for someone who was as as invested as you were for your entire life even you are having second thoughts about Mm -hmm. this being something that you can continue doing for the future, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you think are some root causes behind that? And do you think that's something that we as individuals can help change? Or is that something that really is mostly societal that's that's almost out of our control?
0: Yeah, I think there's some like systemic roots and Mm. causes behind it that no ordinary person can just, you know, try to rally behind. I think there are some... People who are really into policy making and policy changing, I think, need to step forward with right, those right. things. And I can't say that I'm one of those people. Policy is not something God has called me to yeah. do in this current season of my life and probably not for a while. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think there's some, some systemic things such as this idea that You can make, you can always make teachers do more without compensating at all. And not just financial compensation, but just like in terms of having other assistant teachers or having certain curriculum materials. Um, Because when you have a passion job like that, like people know and like the higher ups know you're going to do the work no matter what. Mm -hmm. Like even though you don't get any of the extra stuff, they know you love the kids. Like, how can you not if you're a teacher? Um, And 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 we're, they're just going to keep paying you the same amount. They're going to sure. give you the same amount of resources and things like that. Um and I think that's really frustrating and they're that's why for me personally I try to set pretty strict boundaries on only working contract hours because right. legally that is all I am paid to do. Right. Um but other teachers work like an exorbitant amount of hours outside of their contract hours. You know, that's something they enjoy doing. That's fine, but I also think it gives the teachers a bad rap who want to just keep those boundaries and make sure things are being treated as fairly as they are um, and things like that. So there's I would say that's like overall a main cause of want me personally wanting to leave because mm-hmm. I don't see that system changing anytime soon, especially because mm-hmm. like every single year that I've been there, there's always something new to do and less time to do it.
1: Sure. So yeah. before you're boxing in your time, how many hours would you say you would, you would be working a week during the school year?
0: Oh, I've gotten so good this year. I think this year I'm putting in, give me a second to calculate it. <laughs> I'd say about 55 hours a okay. week right now. Yeah. Um,
1: And that's still a lot for, for most other people. Oh now.
0: yeah. Especially because I'm actually working for those 55 hours. Right? <laughs>
1: Definitely,
0: yeah. Um, A lot of people are like, oh, like I I, I had to work like three hours today. is so hard. I'm like, what? Literally every second of my day is used right. for something. I can't even pee.
1: can't even get lunch breaks, right? You, no, actually I did
0: them. not eat lunch today mm. and I didn't pee today because I had a student in need. So I sacrificed lunch. For her. That's and
1: it's, crazy. And it's worth it. Like right. it's so
0: worth it. But then it's like, oh, it's so hard right. every single day.
1: You're so it's so multifaceted in how mm-hmm. many compounding issues on each other you know if it was Mm -hmm. just the pay or just the hours Mm -hmm. i'm sure you could probably look past that for some time but Mm -hmm. just all these overlaying things add up i'm sure over time and Mm -hmm. it uh, knowing your your just compassion for the kids and how much you love teaching it 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 sucks to hear that it's not something that you think is something that you can do for for the long term Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so um when what has are there any individual moments that kind of kept you going forward up to this point um yeah
0: yes i i would say there's so many there's so many like little daily moments and there's big moments too like last year i had a student who um like not to be prideful but i changed this kid's life like man like he better get famous and mention me in a speech (laughs) because i changed his trajectory of life Um, basically he like really hated school like he hates everything about school and he has a really big like negative attitude towards authority so when he feels like he's getting in trouble he has a huge spike in emotion and he uh self-harms a lot he hit himself a lot um to the point where he have bruises all over his head and things like that um just really heartbreaking story and you know he would always have such negative thoughts about himself and he would talk about wanting you know about suicide and things like that Um, but just Mm -hmm. every day like I was there for him or I did my best to be there for sure. him and, yep. and and to talk to him. And some days are better than others. And I can't even say he made a drastic improvement by the end of the year. But um, I still saw so much growth in him. And I would spend like, gosh, I'd spend probably at least once a week, every week, just crying because of how heartbroken I felt mm-hmm. for him. But mm-hmm. by the end of the year, like just seeing how much he had grown again, just made, made it all worth it. Sure. Because – again i just knew in my gut i was like i changed his life Uh, like he could have gone to middle school like like punching this kid that kid the next kid over but now he has the coping strategies to not do those things Mm -hmm. now he has the coping strategies where every time he wants to hurt himself he's gonna squeeze his stress ball instead he's gonna crumple the paper instead and knowing that that took literally all year to get him to understand that um was really difficult um but but worth it so he's he's one example and um the the student i did not eat lunch for today she's also kind of similar to that some emotional things going on that i want to be available for um although hers i'm i'm reaching that point where i'm wondering if i'm qualified enough i'm not a mental health specialist i am a teacher and so i wonder if i have the tools to be able to support her with what she needs right um and then there's some really cute everyday interactions like they're like miss ham you're like you are the best teacher ever like fifth grade is my favorite grade because you're so nice to us and in my mind i'm like i yell at you guys every day why do you think i'm nice to you um and like there's this one cute little girl like every single afternoon when it's time to leave like she gives me a big hug and she like she keeps, she'll like w- walk down the hall and she'll wave to me and then she'll walk a few more steps and turn around and wave to me again. She'll walk a few more steps and turn around and wave to me and she'll just keep doing that until she finally leaves the building. And it's so cute. And it's though again, just those little things you're like, okay, I can make it to the next day. Mm-hmm. And then you get to where I am now, where I'm like, will I make it to the end of the year though? Right. And right. That's the question.
1: I feel like one of the, the, uh, issues that teachers struggle with is just how many roles they're expected to play in kids' lives. Like, as you're saying, you are not a mental health specialist, you know, you, you are a teacher and it's a little unfair to kind of expect that from you. Um, besides that, there's almost being a parent, to these kids being, um, the teacher being, uh, you know, a friend to them, right? How do you think teachers should ideally be, uh, situated in students lives should it be all these roles combined or should it be more of like a instrument uh, a teaching role
0: i think that teachers can be all of those things and and i think it's okay i think the problem is because i have 25 of them right i think the model of teachers being all the things being their counselor being their parent being their teacher being their you know friend whatever it is i think it works if you have a solid group of like six in front of you um honestly my ideal class size is like 17 or less and sure. and even that makes it hard to do. be all, fill in all those roles and things like that but um yeah i i think it's the class size thing that's why i think like more than giving paying me more i think one of the best ways to support the county could support their teachers is by hiring more teachers mm-hmm. fortunately we don't have the money for it right. um Because if you hire more teachers, each teacher is going to get paid way less, uh, which also doesn't feel fair either. Um, But I think if we had smaller classes, more schools, everyone would be a lot less stressed and Mm -hmm. everything would be so much more manageable. Mm -hmm. Because it's like I always tell my students, like, if one person is tapping their pencil on the table, it's fine. It's really not a big deal if just one person does it. It's when all 25 of you do it that I start getting irritated. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, always think with empathy. Like, it's not just me. It's everybody in this room, right? So it's it's that effect with everything else. Like one kid starts melting down, that's fine. But if you have a group of twenty five kids, chances are there's at least three other kids melting down at the same time, mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. only one of you, so you can't be there for all four of them at that moment. Um, so yeah,
1: yeah. So where did you learn these soft skills to be, you know, somewhat of a guidance counselor, somewhat a friend? Is that something you learned? within your education or is it something you kind of developed at, on your job slash uh you know just growing up as a, as a person
0: i think um the so i went to the curry school um at uva i think they did a phenomenal job of preparing us with having certain like student situations or having student, certain conversations there um i also student taught in a title one school which stu- Stereotypically and historically, behaviorally is a bit more challenging. Um, that gave me a lot of skills with knowing how to like triage certain emergency situations when it comes to students freaking out and panicking. Um, but I think it's just an on the job experience thing because, like, kids need you in the moment. And as the adult in front of them, you don't have the space to panic sure. and show them that you just have, you need a moment to think through things. Mm. Like, they're crying in front of you. You need to have something and i feel like you'd be people would be surprised with how good they can become at something like that Mm -hmm. when they're faced with that challenge because i i never thought that i would be good at being put on the spot like that or um, addressing certain needs as quickly as i've had to but you just have no other choice and i think when you're physically faced with that like it's kind of like the flight or fight you just go and you the words just start coming right. it out. It just
1: happens, right? Yeah.
0: And then you do that every single day for a school year and that makes it easier for the next school year. And then you do it every single day for that school year and then you get to your fourth year and it's almost second nature sure. to know how to respond to a certain situation.
1: Do you ever feel like you're going on autopilot um, now that's your fourth year?
0: Sometimes, yes. There are a few, um, There, there are instances of me just I can just go through it and just do it. Um, but at the same time, no group of kids is ever the same. Like right, my this year's class different than the year before that, different than the year before that and so on and so forth. Um, so there's always some new challenges and things like that. Um, I would say like the teaching aspect feels more autopiloty. i I'm able to whip out my math slides from last year and just start teaching. Like I don't need to look over it. I don't need to prepare anything. I, I can generally just look at it and know what I'm supposed to say and do. Um But it's more of like the emotional things Mm -hmm. that always changes from year to year, right? Right, uh, which is interesting.
1: What would you say to students who want to get into teaching uh, right now, whether they're college students or high schoolers or younger, um, entering this? uh, I assume that landscape of teaching is probably the worst it's been in in a while. But yeah,
0: it's rough (laughs) Um, for sure. But I don't want to discourage anybody who would want to get into teaching. Um, It is just it's a very unique field and some people are cut out for it. Um, for life, and some people are cut out for it for a temporary time, and that's okay um, i don't think I think with most careers in life you don't need to look at it as like a this is the rest of my life. I'm not allowed to choose anything else and I think for me, I've obeyed God's calling in my life to do this for the amount of time that I felt I could, and now it's time to move on from it based sure. on what i I want out of my lifestyle um, and out of my my personal satisfaction fulfillment in society. Um, But for those who would want to get into it, I'd say they need to get in the classroom as much as possible, like right. whether it's like op- just observations. Like I know a lot, there's a lot of high school programs now where you can go and like observe classrooms and like tutor in classrooms and things like that. I think just doing as much of that as possible to really see and experience what it's like. Granted, nothing will quite be like being the main teacher in the room Um and things like that. But I would say. Get in the classroom as much as you can. And sure. on a more practical level because you just never know if it's for you. Um, I think right now most schools in Virginia offer teaching as an undergraduate program, which wasn't the case when I was in school. Um, teaching was only a master's program. Hmm, um, didn't know that. Yeah. So it's – again, its own whole story and things like that. But basically, it was good when I was in school because when you have a master's in teaching, um puts you on a different pay scale uh, mm. just for a little bit of extra schooling. Gotcha, but gotcha. now you have to do the, um, the, like you have you can do it as an undergraduate degree, which you get out of it faster, yes, but you're on a different pay sure, scale than sure, a bachelor's sure. degree. So there's pros and cons. So I would say for your bachelor's degree, do something that's not teaching so that <laughs> you can fall back on. Um, <laughs> So that if it doesn't work out, you have something else that, you know, kind of works in your favor and stuff like that. Um, and then do the master's program in teaching, the one-year master's. Uh, that way it's still kind of the five-year situation. And you have the master's degree that kind of puts you on that next scale up. Um, but you also have something else to kind of fall back on should things not be in your that, – that might be the, the lifelong path for you.
1: Definitely. What, what do you think is your next steps um, in your mind right now?
0: I'm, I'm looking. I honestly don't have a clear idea. I've been talking to a lot of people individually about what they do to just see if it would fit me because I honestly have never thought about anything except for teaching right. um, throughout my college years or anything. So I have no idea. Like, I've been asking people, what do consultants really do? <laughs> like, I genuinely don't understand what consultants consult. do. I'm like do you just tell people what what you know like i don't get it um and i've looked into like project management but i'm like what what is project management Mm -hmm. like do you just tell people what to do like you know it's just like things like that whole new world yeah i just don't understand like these what these fancy job titles mean and like what does that realistic look realistically look like and things like that and so um just some like concrete answers like some fields i'm looking at are like hr um with like recruiting i feel like i'm Pretty personable that could maybe be good at that. Um, I've looked into some project management stuff because I feel like I use a lot of project management skills in teaching. Um, And then I'm also looking at instructional design. So I'm just asking around right now.
1: Pretty broad. Do you have a a due date for yourself when you kind of want to have a decision?
0: I would like to have done a few interviews by the time the school year ends in June. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um. I'm not going to set an ambitious goal of like needing to have a job by the time the school year ends to know what I'll do by the end of the summer, basically. But um, I'd like to have have at least done a few interviews to feel comfortable so that um, after the school year ends, I'm going on vacation for a couple of weeks. But that when I'm back from my vacation, I'd be able to, you know, really pour in a lot to finding something solid by the end of the year.
1: Sure, sure. So to cap off this teaching section, Mm -hmm. where do you see teaching and schooling heading over the next decade?
0: Mm, That's really a good question. Um, I don't think there's going to be a magical pill that you can eat and you just learn (laughs) everything. I don't think that's where we're headed. Um, I think virtual reality is going to come into education. I don't know when, but I do have a hunch that that's like the next cool like teaching tool. Yeah. Yeah. if that's gonna look like teachers teaching virtually, I have no idea. Um, but I do think that's kind of the next step. Um, and then more on a pessimistic note, I feel like the gap's gonna get wider of like mm. the kids who have access to certain opportunities, um will make greater strides towards those and the kids who don't like it'll it'll be even harder for them and things like that. Um
1: was that something you kind of got a glimpse of because of COVID?
0: Yeah, COVID for sure. Um like I I mean I teach in a pretty like upper middle class school district. Um mm. they're like generally pretty well off, but there are a few that don't fall within those income brackets that I could see that Having two working parents um, and not just like regular nine to five working parents, but like parents who have to work odd hours and things like that um, to support their family, like how that really limits their access to certain um, to certain things, like whether it's like tutoring or like extracurricular activities and things like that. And again, the, the, the gap just gets wider and wider every year which is sad but i do see things continually heading in that
1: direction do you know of any way that you could think of that could help reverse that or is that kind of again a policy thing that we don't really have control over
0: i think that's a policy thing mostly because i off the top of my head or even just like with the few moments i've dedicated to thinking about it like can't think of anything other than systematically like things just need to change Mm -hmm. um yeah for one which is pretty controversial i don't think there should be gifted education in elementary school yeah yeah i think gifted education works in like middle school and upward um, but there are even like studies that have shown that um, students who are in gifted education programs in elementary school like it's not correlated with any certain type of outcome Mm. when they graduate from college Um, they're not at any better of a place necessarily than kids who don't take gifted classes in elementary school so I think gifted classes should just be done away with so that kids don't have this sense of superiority because those kids that are in those gifted classes tend to be they have a huge chip on their shoulder they're very they like they know they're all that and then some and it makes the kids who aren't in those programs feel even worse they're like oh I'm not a smart kid like I can't do it because I'm not in those classes I don't get to do the fun cool projects that they do so I just feel like you just do away with those and just let them start competing in middle school
1: (laughs) Give them the same education, yeah. at least up to the point, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for that. That's you know, teaching is such a such a big hot button issue these days. Yeah. That it's it's tough to know like what the next steps are, especially for since, sure. as, you, as you both know, for not sure. neither of us are policymakers. we, oh, we no. don't really know. I don't even know what who makes the changes for schools you know it's the superintendent the pre- the principal of the department of education
0: oh it, don't get me started on the department of <laughs> education we are not happy with that oh okay, okay. Um, no yeah it's it's it is crazy and it's a lot and i mean i would i think about for the future maybe i'll go back to teaching i really don't know because something i was talking to my friends who work in corporate about they're like carolina you have to realize when you're in corporate like you're not going to have that feeling hmm. like you're not going to go to bed at night realizing you made a that's difference that, in the world. You right, know, like right. you're going to go to bed realizing you're a cog in a machine and you yeah. just have to get stuff done um, and you have to be OK with that. And I'm like, oh, well,
1: that's the okay.
0: <laughs> oh. Um. And I've talked to some of my coworkers who, who... Um, taught went to corporate fields and then came back to teaching because of that reason Mm -hmm. because they just found that it wasn't satisfying like they couldn't sleep comfortably at night knowing that their work didn't have an impact in that sense so i could come back i really don't know it also again depends on what it looks like in a few years maybe there are some positive changes implemented who knows but for my current season of life i do want to try something new
1: gotcha gotcha well i'm Looking forward to what those next steps are. It's going to be definitely very interesting. To see the next couple of years for you. But um, we like to end these podcast interviews talking about someone who's played an important role in your Christian walk. So do you have someone in mind who's kind of been with you over the past years and has really made an impact on you uh, in your faith?
0: Mm, um, there are so many people, I would say, um, really close to me mm. that have really made a huge impact in my life spiritually um there's like my parents and there's my friends um and then i'll give the the long answer to the love of my life alex Um, okay i will say he really made such an impact on my spiritual life and um it's it's a bit cheesy to talk about i'll say um but i would say it's even a challenge to people who are in like serious christian relationships like if your significant other does not challenge you to grow in your faith like i i like i not saying break up or anything like that but just consider it or find ways that you can challenge each other um not saying you have to change necessarily but how what are your spiritual strengths and what are their spiritual strengths because for alex and i like spiritually we have such different strengths (laughs) and we're very different people in general um and so that translates into our spiritual lives that he has his spiritual strengths he's incredibly relational alex understands grace like no one i've ever met before like that we are broken people and god loves all people and that no one of us is greater than another person like we are all just sinners in god's eyes and there's so much grace for us and, and love for us and and again he's just so good at making people feel comfortable in that. And he's so relational. Um, And I'm not as relational as he is. Mm. He's definitely the strong E in that way. He loves to be around people. And I struggle a lot with um showing grace, I think sometimes and feeling socially, spiritually connected to people in my community and things like that. I, would say I have more strengths in like spiritual disciplines. Like mm-hmm. I very good at like the whole reading the Bible and doing the QT and doing the Bible studies and things like that. Um, and so we really like, I think challenged the other person in viewing like his faith and my faith as different and compatible rather than one person has a stronger faith in the mm-hmm. other person. Because um, I, I used to, in my heart and heart, think that, oh, you have to do your faith the way I do it for you to be a holy person. Um, But I think Alex has really shown me that um, holiness is only achieved truly by God. And the rest of us are just striving to, you know, To do our best in the world and we all show it in different ways and that's the beauty of god that he has gifted each and every single one of us with different parts of his heart and different parts of his character um and so it's it's good to be able to live life with someone so different from me um because i think even like as we lead cg together i think our cg members are able to see hopefully a slightly more like holistic image of who god is in that sense alex brings those strengths and i bring those strengths to the table
1: is there an example uh, within recently where uh, you act you think you would have acted differently before having been married versus now because of that you know grace that Alex has been able to kind of impart to you in terms of his knowledge?
0: Yeah, um, I would say there even my friends notice it the way I even respond towards them uh, with certain situations if they make a life decision that i don't agree with i think the college carolina would have been like hard rebuke Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like do you know what you're doing like i don't think that's god glorifying do you realize how that's going to affect you like really tough love type of stuff like and it was rooted from a good place and i'll stand by that but i also think the delivery of it wasn't one that communicated like care um and love because sometimes when someone's going through a hard time and you communicate with harshness even if you have good intentions, they're not going to receive your intention. Right. They're just going to receive the harshness because they already know that it's not right or hard or whatever it is. Um, and so I, then I realized, like, sometimes they need you to be there to comfort them. They need you to be there to remind them over and over again of the simple things. Because I used to think, oh, like, I need to have this cool theological answer. Oh, well, in the Bible, you know, God did this. And so that meant this. And that's the reason why you're experiencing this. And the decision you make is this rather than just sitting with them and being like, hey, God loves you. And Mm -hmm. let's just try again. And like, I feel like that's the approach like Alex takes with people a lot of times instead of giving a very lofty (laughs) theological answer. um, He just sits with people and he like acknowledges them. And I've been trying to do that a lot more in my friendships and things like that. through some of the things that they have gone through. Um, and even with, even, honestly, like myself personally, I'm very hard on myself. And so I've been trying to show myself grace the way that Alex shows me grace. And in turn, the way God shows me grace in that sense. Sure.
1: I, I think it's awesome um, seeing you guys work so well off of each other in this. I'm sure it's not just you changing from what Alex is teaching um, or imparting onto you, but it's also you, you know, imparting a lot onto Alex. And I, I personally have seen that, you know, knowing Alex for 20 years. How old is he? Twenty-six? Too long. <laughs> too, too long. long yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, over the past years that he's definitely evolved into the Alex he is today in no small part due to his relationship with you and now his wife being you. So thanks for making him the Alex. And I, I, I try, try. <laughs>
0: you know. People say he's more on time to things now. I'd yeah? like to think yeah? that's because of me. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. Timeliness is Godliness, or next to Godliness, something like that, right? Yes,
0: yes I <laughs> firmly agree with that.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Carolina. I appreciate you answering all these questions and going over teaching and missionary and everything. I hope you had a good time. But yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>